I don't remember how the rest of the melody goes. Matt, take him to the bridge! I I mostly had a Linkin Park phase back in the day. I, I didn't have one biscuit <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. No, I'm fully with you then, Matt. I, I heard about, as much as all I about the Nookie. I, I remember that, but that's pretty much it. Check out my melody. I remember every lyric to every song on Hybrid Theory, for sure. Of course, dude. Come on, dude. Ah, I was listening to it the other day. I like how this started with us being like, we're going to talk about Limp Bizkit to begin with because that's funny. And then immediately George got really excited about it. And now we're talking about Linkin Park. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about Limp Bizkit for some reason. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't believe we all had, had a Limp Bizkit phase. Let's just go ahead and start and giggle about Everybody it. Everybody had a Limp Bizkit phase. I, I, I can't believe I did. Like, that seems so not like me. Yeah. <laughs> Non-George. So, so okay, Liam, you actually went and saw them at a concert. You, you, you just said before we started recording the tapes. I, I did. I did. I have seen Limp Bizkit, but also I have seen Linkin Park. I count them six different times. Oh my wow. God. Uh, well, actually, Linkin Park is, they, they, they had some, some good stuff. Limp Bizkit, on the other Ex- hand. Excuse me? Yeah, wanna, Linkin Park was fun. Run to run that by me one more time? The, the, get... get Limp Biscuit over Lincoln Park? I don't. I don't. I don't. No. 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 Don't you twist these words out of the way. I am not letting that stand. I want to see some angry comments. Are you white trash or just a mainstream sheep? Right in the comments. Yeah. Exactly. Lincoln Park was was just like fun, angsty teenage pop music. It was fine. You fucking dare. I'm trying to be nice, though. Okay, point is... Doesn't even matter. I'm trying so hard. But, but, okay, I was... But you've only got so far. I was just about to ask (laughs) something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Liam, what was the crowd like at the Limp Bizkit concert that you have been to? And what year was it? It was... It was, it was kind of after the wave of Limp Bizkit. They played like a festival in the UK called Download. I can't remember what year it was actually, but it was, it was definitely after the wave and it was kind of like when they'd try to reform and try to capture the red cap spark of the years prior. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Fred Durst is the, uh, the, the original red baseball cap uh, uh, rocker. Yeah, like why do you think like new era hats are so popular ain't due to base set the precedent all down to fred durst yeah yeah we're probably wrong about that but yeah didn't didn't fred durst like stream playing video games on twitch for like a for like a period of time Uh, he also did like experimental movies apparently he's a commercial director and is trying to atone for his sins what sins lip biscuit was a time and a place man uh woodstock 99 got a little out of hand Well, that's what happens when you rock up to a Limp Biscuit show. That's oh. what all the parents were telling me back then. And and I I, <laughs> I wanted to tell you the difference between Limp Biscuit and and, and um and Lincoln <laughs> Park. Scientific right. melodo- melodical differences. Yeah. All right. Hybrid theory is incredible. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it sold thirty million. Okay. Holy shit. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Let's see. The most I see here. Uh, significant other. Seven million. Yeah. Wait. 
That's still a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but how many how much did rolling sell as a single? I imagine in the end and crawling and rolling are all pretty much probably in the same tier. Maybe crawling is a bit lower. Jesus, I was such a weird kid. So so what 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 about the crowd? The crowd? What what kind of types? The crowd I mean it was an English crowd, so it wouldn't have been quite the same as I think a like a true pure Limp biscuit crowd, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the the Woodstock '99 uh, uh, sexual assault crowd. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, it was just a bunch of English metalheads in a field in the middle of a racetrack. That sounds like a bunch of cool dudes. Download festival in the UK is a good time. I, I don't know how it is. I haven't been in like seven years, so I don't. I don't also, metalheads. I've I've typically gotten along with metalheads. Because <laughs> metalheads are nerds. Usually, D- despite the the intimidating appearance, they tend to be like the the softest, most agreeable, talkative, friendly people I've met. Very true. Yeah, yeah. I, I I grew up listening to a lot of metal and going to a lot of uh, gigs, and I could safely say, yeah. Sometimes you get kicked in a mosh pit by an asshole, but it's just know. I think that the uh, the the crowd that I'm picturing in my head, the the picture perfect Woodstock '99, like they're not metalheads. These are more the people who would later become juggalos, like yeah, like people actually wearing red caps. Yeah, people who mu- oh my god, that's what they might have become too later as the decades rolled on. Red caps. Anyways. <laughs> For, to, to, to sell an argument, though, Linkin Park are better than Limp Bizkit. Agreed. Wait, you agree now? Mm-hmm. I never said that Limp Bizkit was better. And and, and, we're, and we're talking about hybrid theory and reanimation, right? We were talking about hybrid. Oh, man, reanimation. Reanimation was pretty solid, so man. So good. Yeah. Points Crawling of authority, on that the remix. On that, uh, that was like, oh. I, I think, the, the third album I bought in my life. The first one was Smash Mouth. The second one was Destiny's Child. The third was Linkin Park. <laughs> That's all you need to know about George. Wait, wait. You listen? You used to listen to music? That's I, what, what? As a child? Uh, no, like like when I was, I, I want to say, happened to you, 12 to, to 14, <laughs> I tried to develop a taste in music and failed spectacularly. <laughs> so you bought Smash Mouth for Destiny's Child? Wow. And you're like, what are... Two polar opposites. Exactly. In which I, I can develop my tastes. I didn't know what I was doing, and I still don't. Oh, man. True. What was the last piece of music you listened to that wasn't a video game soundtrack, George? Oh, jeez. It was Brutal um, Mars. <laughs> no, okay. Like, what I just do these days is I get on YouTube and, like, funk. I just type in <laughs> coffee shop music. Uh, uh, study music. It seems like that's the way you do it these days. Instead of the radio or Spotify, Listen or to some um, lo-fi, George. Some lo-fi. Yeah, exactly. I, I well, lo-fi. Is I've listened to to so much of that that the playlist started to repeat. So I had to find something new. Now you just become a boring generic dude. Yep, yep. That's <laughs> let me put on the twenty four seven hour lo-fi channel. I will admit, going back to going back to the days when I used to go to gigs. Uh, I had a bit of a bit of a, a sort of flash of a, in in Japan we'd say natsukashi like a nostalgia wave hit me yesterday when we watched what we will never to <laughs> they believe. They have a word for that? Yeah, natsukashi. Oh, wonderful. That's 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 wonderful. I I love that you can just say wave of nostalgia in one word. Yeah, it's like long time kind of nostalgic give you good feelings type word. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's sweet. I mean, we'll inevitably speak about it soon enough, but uh, the Death Stranding trailer, I was jamming all day to the, the Apocalyptica song that was that, 
featured in that soundtrack. That is a band that I actually did watch play live once when they were supporting him. Do you guys remember him? Oh my God, yes. Barely. I'll be right here Dude. in your arms. Whoa, I, amazing. I, I hung out with the like like emo goth kids mm. in, in middle mm. and high school. And I did not listen to him, but I remember so many him T-shirts did, in that crowd. Did, did, were you someone who wanted to be like listening to him, but you didn't stand it? And you were like, I'm just going to draw hardograms on my <laughs> notebook anyway. Hardograms, that's <laughs> oh what they God. were called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Wow. <laughs> We've gone on for 10 minutes about like shitty we, turn of the millennium. We, we were like, we're going to keep it short because we got Death Stranding to talk about. <laughs> we just talked, oh, about, we're gonna talk Death talked about shit for 10 minutes. What a surprise. That was a damn fun trailer. Also, this is still technically part of the intro. So, welcome to Dan Sons Podcast. <laughs> I am your introduce, she for this week, Liam. Joined with me are my two emo friends. Oh, God. Emo one, Matt Visual. Am I in my email too? Preference, Lincoln Park, Stannis, I hate my mom. Emo number two, George Weedman. Hi. Stannis, I bought Smash Mouth as my first ever record, and I hate the American political system. <laughs> Mine is I hate my mom. I want to smash the mouth of the system, mom. <laughs> that's that's what it means, right? Right. My mom didn't want me to have you Pokemon to cards right when there. I was young, and that's why I hate her. The, the hate runs deep. <laughs> years and years of hatred. Wow, wow. So, so Still holding, holding on, to on to that grudge, huh? I watched the grudge. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> the the American the, or the Japanese no, no, grudge? I watched I watched the curse. Which is the Japanese first movie. Ah, good. Oh Those are good ass, like, low God. budget indie movies. That was Terrific. creepy. Yeah. Wait, is, is Juwan the grudge or is that the ring? No, they're all Juwan. They're all Juwan they? and they're all, like, different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Just the Google grudge it. was the oh, third God. one. The grudge two was the fourth one. But the curse one and curse two were the first and second one. Was that the one with the uh, trash bag that kind of crawls yes. across the street? Yes. Oh. Dude. Oh, my. Let me. Okay. It's obviously a very B-movie quality. There's certain shots that should have been a little bit tighter. But it does not take away by how scary and how he, how this, I, I, the, the director just kind of sets scenes Especially when you mm-hmm. when he uh, he doesn't even have them in in order. There were like six different stories in the movie, and um, six different yeah six different stories six six different different people that they focused on, and some of them overlapped, some of them kind of didn't. And uh, it's impressive, I gotta say. And I haven't been scared this much since I um, I guess way back when I watched three, I movie hopped. Uh, like Chainsaw Massacre, The Grudge, and some other scary movie all in one day. And it was, I couldn't go home because all you can hear is, uh, <laughs> uh, come on. That first movie, like, um, I got to say, like, it, it must have been incredible because all of the things that you remember from The Grudge, all those, like, 
you know the the meat the 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 boy saying meow a lot and and all that that came from that first movie it's like oh. they had like this set way of okay this is this is going to be the scary point of this uh um story and this one's going to be the scary point of this story and then they just had it like in each story they had something different to scare you with and they just put that all in into the grudge and i guess for people who did not see it like me it scared the shit out of me and it still scares the crap out of me now it's watching like the one i didn't watch before you know where all this oh, stuff man, came from i can't i can't do it i am a, a self-confessed coward i i gotta say i i wasn't usually scary movies don't scare me you know um but this one, it got me. It it really is creepy. It it, you know that. Yeah. Um, remember back in the day when you used to go to a horror movie and it feels almost a little demonic, right? You had that like that aura. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. like supernatural based and like yeah, just like it, brutalistic it, horror. Remember the whole theater has a mood. It feels like something is going to be attached to you when you go home, and it's going to be with you. That type of like Ooh. creepiness. <laughs> yes, that's oh. what that movie provides man i slept like a baby that night but like still it was like scary and every time i think about it i'm like nah i don't feel like watching i, I probably wouldn't want to watch it again. oh i'm in like a pitch black japanese apartment right now i am in pure horror territory now liam. this is not fair oh my god liam it would like i'm looking at my aircon in my cupboards and i'm like this is this is just not gonna go well for me Something, something is fucking coming out. Something. I, I think that first movie was done on a really low budget and like initially released on tape only before they started distributing it wide enough to to get attention for the American remake. And I don't know if you guys saw the American remake or the sequels, but it goes downhill pretty fast. <laughs> but that first movie is that that is I that might. That is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I'm I'm surprised it popped up here because I haven't thought about it in a while. But ooh, I love that first one. It's impressive, dude. It's impressive. I I don't want to. There's certain things we could probably talk about off air that are just like wow. The way he set that up was like brilliant. Like I I will say one thing. There's this um, there's this scene you could uh for, for the audience you could watch it on YouTube. It's on YouTube and just just pull it up. And Let's have a visual feature. Like all right. George, do you remember in the first yeah. story that you see one of the characters, uh, a little boy, open his mouth really wide, right? Mm, yeah. And yeah. a scary noise comes out. A scary noise comes out. And they end that, um, that part of the story. And the next one, they have like this buildup between these two characters. And you see a close-up of the to one of the two characters she's looking up but you can't see what she's looking at and she opens her mouth very wide but she doesn't say anything and then she says oh i'm about to miss you know um something at school or whatever like that and she, she leaves but just just a couple seconds of her opening her mouth and keeping it open her eyes like it looked like she saw something but she did it, and it was just—it was so. Oh my god, it was so well done. It, there's lots of little things like that where you're like, it's smart. It it doesn't yeah, handhold the audience. It's good, 
good ass horror. I've it's it's, it's, been it's a while, like and I love it. <laughs> Japanese Japanese David Lynch, like really dark scenes, a slow camera, and and I remember a closet in the ceiling that they never really give you a good view mm-hmm. of, but for some reason a lot of actors go in and out of it and and are terrified by what they find, and just it it reminds you of like of what what. what I, I think Stephen King talked about this. Like a lot of good horror reminds you of what irrational stuff scares you as a kid, and and there being uh, uh, something scary in the closet right next to where you sleep is something that that, that adults should not feel anything yeah. over unless they're watching The Grudge. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably do this normally. Like, oh, there's nothing in the closet. There's nothing. But what if there's something in the closet? <laughs> what if? Yeah. Have, uh, have either of you guys, this, one of the more uh, horrific Japanese horrors that I watched that really stuck with me forever and ever, just to due to one sound, was a film called The Audition. No. Have you ever watched Mm-mm. that? Mm-mm. Okay. I am going to look it Matt, up. Matt, that is next on your list. Oh, God. It, it's a drama thriller, it says. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's some Japanese movies, man. They get me. Yeah, I'm oh, gonna. Oh, God, there's a sound in it. Like, tee, 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 tee. like oh, it still gives me fucking. It's been like, it's been like 11 years since I watched that movie, and it still freaks me the fuck out, right? All right, Matt. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's that sound? You don't hear it? You don't hear Oh, my God. It's like... <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. That's... that's. Uh, watch the curse. If you want to get freaked out, guaranteed it will freak you out. If if that movie doesn't freak you out, then, yo, man, props to you, dude. Props to you. Because that... Mm. What's, the, what's the audition? And, and the, yeah, the audition. I, I have that here. I'm going to put that on the Plex... So we're on we're on twenty minutes here. Okay, okay. We're on, we're on twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. I watched Don't Breathe. Don't Don't Breathe is good. It's another horror movie, but it's actually pretty cool. And 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 the Lobster. If none of you guys watch the Lobster, right? I, Wait, it's just called the Lobster. It's called the Lobster, and it's nuts. It is nuts, and it, it's it's definitely a commentary on something. It's weird. It's <laughs> if you like Colin Farrell, I think no Colin Farrell is that his name? That is that is his name. Yeah, yeah. If you like him. Give it a give it a watch. It's wacky, uh, dystopian black comedy. Yeah, it's like like Black Mirror. It's dark. No, no, no. It's that, well, I guess it does it, kind of give it like that, but it's not tech. I guess there is a technology involved, but yeah, it's a it's a weird one, really weird one, um, almost unbelievable sometimes. Um, it's I, I'll just say because the trailer says literally when you're without a mate, you go to like without a um, uh, wife or husband, you go to this place to have them set you up with uh, a mate. Everyone has to have a um, a significant other, and if you don't um, reach a significant other by like thirty days or so, you get turned into an animal. And they ask you, "What animal?" Yes, that's how it works. Yes. Has anybody ever told you sex education? Because I feel like maybe you missed a step. It's. And that's how the trailer sets it up, and it's the weirdest thing because you're like, "What? What do you? What is that? What he said? Yeah, okay. So, if you want something weird to watch, you may may not like it. I enjoyed it 
for a weird reason. So, like, you might want to give it a try. Uh, and watch Love, Death, and Robots. It's very... If you like animation, watch that. And watch Zima, Zima Blue. Yeah, Zima, Zima Blue is the best one. There is... Yeah, oh, okay, so weak, you did watch it. There's a lot of weak links, though. There's a lot of weird stuff in there. Yeah, some stuff that's just not not good. <laughs> but but there's but there's things like Zima Blue and the three robot one that's which is like the second story which is like worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. Worth watching. The the others there's one the witness where the animation was just out of this world, but it still had the same problems that the others had where there's just Way too many boobs, in my opinion. Not enough dicks. You see what I'm saying? It was a little <laughs> weird. It was, it was one of, it's one of those things. If you ever hear me talk about this stuff on the podcast, it's one of those things where it's just like, uh, what it, this is a little awkward. This is, what, what are you guys doing? Um, yeah. But I would say watch those two shorts. Uh, if you like animation, they're worth going, you know, going inside of your Netflix and skipping all the other ones just to watch this one. Uh yeah, I played a game, but uh, I'll wait for one of you guys to oh, jump in. Yeah, um, Liam, you haven't uh, had the had the bike in a while. Um, I played a game. I actually only started playing it today, but I did play it for like a good three hours or so. Um, it's called Void Bastards. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Did you uh, get into that? I thought you were saving it for next week. I did, but I, uh, I, I got you know a good three hours into it, and I feel like considering the way the game is made, like that is a good amount of time to sort of be able to understand like exactly what I'm, the game is. About. I'm intrigued. This is a uh, kind of sort of a weird, cartoonier, faster yeah, follow-up so, to stuff like System Shock, like yeah. uh, irrational yeah, game. Yeah, so it's the, like the shocks. It's like X. Bioshock developers, who I think maybe one of them did actually work on System Shock 2 as well. So so its genesis is definitely firmly steeped in that. But first off, if you are listening to this and you have your phone, first thing to do is to look at what the artwork Yeah. That's... Void Bastards is gorgeous in a way that is hard to describe. Like, you could say it looks like a comic, comic book, book, but kind yeah. of doesn't quite mm-hmm. exactly give it justice when you're actually watching it in motion. It is... It is fantastic, and um, yeah, so I started playing it because I I watched the trailer a couple of months ago, maybe, when they announced it, and immediately, a game called Void Bastards sounds... Sounds pretty great to play. And intriguing. I see the animation has like a deliberately low uh, frame count yes. on so it's kind uh, of the, like they look like sprites. Yeah, it's kind but of like not. miniatures moving towards you. The way I think of it is you know when you have like a when you're playing a board game and you have like miniatures that uh, are either like put on paper stands or stuff like that and they're moving towards you and you're you're horrified just by the prospect of what it does to you. It's very much like that. Um, and it's great. It has so much character to it. Like, it almost has, like, a Stanley Parable-esque humor to it. Did I did I hear him in the trailer for a bit? Say. Uh, the narrator. Let me... Maybe. It does sound me... very similar. And the guy... The guy... I, I, it probably is the, the Stanley Parable narrator, uh, who is, like, the overlord kind of character that sends your character out on missions... It definitely does sound like him. Is it a story game or is it like a loop? No, so base? so the it, essentially it's FTL but a three D shooter. 
So what happens is, is you are you have to retrieve some items to basically win your freedom as a prisoner, or something like that. And the idea is you have this endless amount of different prisoners who get like sort of reanimated uh, or rehydrated, they call it. And uh, every prisoner is randomly generated. They have a random name. They have either like a positive or negative, and they have different stats to them. So. It's very like I don't know if you played Rogue Legacy, but the way yeah. that game worked with like its sort of negatives, like maybe you are, uh, maybe you have vertigo, or maybe you are old, or something like that, right? <laughs> it's very similar to that. Oh no, I'm old. Yeah. So uh, George mode activated. The ones I've had so far. So, so a couple for the characters I've had so far. Uh, one was too tall. The character itself was too tall, so the because it's a first-person shooter, obviously you can't see a character. But one was too tall, so when you try and walk through doors, you'd actually get stuck, which is amazing. Do you have to crouch through them? Yeah, so you had to crouch through them. It's brilliant. The other one was one who was a smoker, so he'd cough sometimes, so you would go out of stealth because you'd be like, <laughs> but they would cough at random times. It's amazing. And the other one I had, which is my by far my favorite, was a guy called Steve, who every time he picked up an item, and you pick up items all the time, because the idea is that you go to random ships on your way to like a, a destination, and you loot the ships. Uh, every time he picks up an item, he says, Woo! <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so you're going around this ship, picking up items, and you're going, woo! Woo! <laughs> I love that the, the game, I love it when gameplay mechanics are comedy gags. Yes, it's brilliant. And it really, like, oh, uh, like, he died in the funniest way as well. Like, he went around a corner and I picked up some oil. And he was like, woo! And then turned around and it had, like, triggered this enemy called the tourist. Which is just like an a, a gelatin blob that wears a top hat that's like, yep, going on holiday, yep, going on holiday, and then explodes when he gets near you. So he like went, woo, and he awoken this tourist and exploded right in his face. Ah, oh, it's so funny. So it has like this weird humor to it, but it's like a roguelite. So all of the stuff that you gather, you can use to craft better weird guns, like space guns and stuff like that uh and that stuff carries over to the next prisoner so you gradually get more and more powerful by using their items very similar to rogue legacy in that way but um when you're on a ship and you're like trying to do stuff because all the ships are randomly generated in their layouts and you have to get to certain like terminals like the power terminal will turn all the lights on uh you have like a limited amount of oxygen when you go onto the ships so you have to try and find oxygen terminals and while you're doing that, some of the enemies are really tough. So it becomes super intense. So it's this really scary, at times almost horror atmospheric space thing, like alien-esque. And then it just you'll hear like a weird enemy yeah. called the Juve. And he'll come around the corner being like, hey, Wait, really? hey, no bed. Hey, you twat. Hey. And he has, like, the most British accent, and he's just swearing at you the whole time, and you're like, oh, right, yeah, it's this type of game. It's wait, 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 what's the enemy called? The Juve, J-U-V-E, like juvenile. Oh, okay, that's fine, you can keep going. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's it's a really good game. Um, <laughs> I'm 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 happy. I'm I'm glad that we clarified that. I'm skipping through some of this gameplay, and all the prisoners are black. Is that intentional? Uh, maybe that person just got a lot of black 
Christmas? Wilson and Powell. Wow. And uh, yeah, the <laughs> drugs. I've had. I've. I will admit, Matt, my wooer was a black guy. And all of them have reasons as to why they got sentenced to prison. And it's so funny, some of their, like, randomly generated lines they have for why they went to prison, like their, off- like their offense and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's really good. It's a surprise. And I played it, like, solidly for, like, three hours today. Really enjoying it. But because it's the same gameplay over and over again, you're essentially, you uh, are on your own ship. You then board another ship it's randomly generated you can see the map of where all the points are you loot it you try and find as much as possible you try and find the best item on the ship survive and then get the hell out of there and then you walk to the next ship and you do that kind of over and over again but it it doesn't so far only three hours in it hasn't lost any charm to it whatsoever and you uh, encounter new enemies and stuff all the time it's it's really fun but it's humor and it's like artwork and everything just carry it it's it's a shooter that, that that's basically what it is a yeah so they shooter. call it like a strategy shooter but it is just straight up like a it's pretty like mediocre first person shooter okay like <laughs> yeah, like it the shooting like it. itself yeah okay but um that that roguelike aspect to it where the strategy comes in that's a formula that i think works really really well this reminds me of an old inbox game i played there was a similar concept called wasted that got published by uh, Adult Swim Games, I believe, a couple years ago. It was it was more in the vein of Fallout than System Shock, but it's uh, surprisingly fun to um, blast your way through short little claustrophobic levels over and over again with the game that has a a narrative arc and a gameplay loop designed for that. It, it feels like like a, a, the, the the cute, charming qualities of Doom, weirdly in a way. Um, like in terms of uh, how how angular and and tight the levels are, it's definitely very. It become it can become difficult to traverse ships and stuff because like a lot of it looks the same. Like it's definitely modular to a certain degree, and you get on a ship and you can kind of orientate yourself, but all of the corridors look the same and you can get a little lost. Um, it takes inspiration from stuff like Star Trek and generic sci-fi like that. So you're not really going to see anything too unique, but just the artwork and everything, like being in that colorful surrounding pop arty type comic, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's funny how I also want to check this out like two weeks in a row. I've, I've been we've been talking about these games that really sound like they're far up my alley, but 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 it's good. I, I would recommend if you like that kind of thing, if you want an FTL, but a first person shooter with some humor like. Mm-hmm. that's good that sounds like my jam right i remember last week matt was talking about a plague tale and that sounded like my jam but over the past weekend since we recorded i ended up playing a bunch of the sims <laughs> <laughs> is it is it good is it yeah like, what's you, the drive for the sims you just you just Having people. Uh, well, speaking of game mechanics as comedy, it's it's fun thinking of it as a as a playable sitcom. So uh, EA was offering The Sims Four for free um, for a little short window that I think expired on May twenty eighth. So if you're listening to this, it is already too late. 
but uh, I I hit it on my Origin account, uh, loaded it up, expecting to be disappointed because The Sims 4 did not review well. It didn't launch well. It caused a huge kerfuffle over how many features were, were stripped back from the previous one, and I was surprised to find myself having fun. The game seems fine. And as it turns out, over the years since 2014, since it launched, they added a whole lot in, into the updates. Uh, they they included toddler, they included toddlers. They they included gender customization screens. They included uh, ghosts and monsters under the bed. But one thing that I was extremely surprised to find out the game didn't ship with was swimming pools. It doesn't ship with swimming pools. How do you have a ship sim game that doesn't ship with swimming pools? The easiest way to kill it. It's, it's iconic. It's the first thing the kids always do when they get the Sims is they build a swimming pool and kill their Sims in it. And you can't do that in the Sims 4 on launch, but now you can, and they offered it for free. And I, I had a blast. I made um, some, some self-insert uh, uh, Sims and uh, got the girlfriend to come over and had her make a self-insert Sim. <gasps> And boy, oh boy, if you want things to get weird with your significant other, play The Sims with them and see what happens. Um, she had her laptop out with uh, her own copy of the game running with her own house, but we had the same Sims in both of them and built our houses off of most, more or less the same budget. So we were kind of existing in parallel universes of one another, but, but playing out our own controlled versions of these separate universes. And, and oh my god, if, uh, for, for a weekend we dove into the deepest, darkest parts of our psyche and, and replicated them through a digital digital environment that caused caused us to to re-examine ourselves under 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 new lights and then i i made a comedy family that looks really weird that has uh larry david married to a woman who has sliders set all the way to the right so her face is like kind of drooped down clipping into itself and their daughter is a little sister from bioshock who's extremely creepy and wears a an old world dress and, and hovers down hallways. And I made a house that, that's meant to drive them crazy, that's a hole in the ground that opens up into a bathroom, that opens up into the wed, red, wed womb, into the red room from Twin Peaks, that then goes around into a like bunker kitchen with, with a bedroom with a wall covered in, in arrows that are going to drive this kid crazy. And I found out that one of the most fun things that I think I've done... In, in the past, uh, uh, I want to say like three-month window, is play a sim that looks like Larry David and has a similar personality to Larry David. I, I slid in Snob, Loner, and um, Destructive into his personality quirks. And just let the Curb Your Enthusiasm soundtrack roll on in the background <laughs> as you walk this guy from awkward situation to awkward situation. He, he can't talk his way out of a conversation to save his life. He occasionally sets himself on fire in the kitchen. In fact, that was the first thing he did. He, he, he disappoints his family at every turn. And having this happen to, to the appropriate soundtrack from the actual show, it is just the funniest goddamn combination ever. And I wonder if I stream it if I'll get a copyright claim because I I might have hit like like streamable pay dirt here by uh by by thinking of making uh your your favorite sitcom characters in The Sims and just playing the game with the sitcom soundtrack in the background. Let me get this straight though, right? So you're playing yeah. The Sims. 
Yeah. But you didn't make the dad and sons. <gasps> oh no, my heart. I was waiting. No. I was this I thought this was all building up to that. Mm-hmm. No, I, wow. I I didn't think of it. I'm wow. sorry. He he didn't think of us, Liam. He he didn't think of us. You know, that kinda says a lot, you know? Oh man. <sighs> you know, I, I remember I did begin this section on The Sims by talking about how it, it helps you dive into the deepest, darkest parts of your psyche and, and confront the secrets that you hide within yourself that maybe even you don't want to uh to to see. But yeah, no, this this version of The Sims is fine. <laughs> that segue though. You see you see how re- he recovers, you see? Yeah. See how he recovers? Yeah. I uh what do you I, think I, we're simple minded normies? <laughs> I, I think we can we can maybe talk about some ideas maybe. No, the the time has passed. You already made Larry David. I I well, but uh, you know you know our schedule's weird because the time zones. Anyways, yeah, no, this seems to be like a perfectly fine Sims. It's got nothing to do with it. You can you can make you can make us and assign but, one of us but, to be the dad, and we can all be dads. Okay. We can be gay dads. See, the thing is, I well, I don't want to, uh, you know, dictate your virtual lives, right? Right? Me, you already do. Not your virtual lives. Your real. I see. Okay, here's the thing. If I made a sim of you people and I took control of it and told them what to do, I would feel like I'm invading your privacy or yeah, something. You see, you see how he's. It would be weird, right? See what he's trying to do. You see what he's trying to do. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I remember from Sims Two is there. It's, it's totally not going to compete with the fully expanded version of any of the previous games. But it seems like like a Civ cycle kind of thing is going on, where uh, the the latest installment is pretty all right, and and as it gets expanded, I'm sure it will overcome the previous installment. However, that launch tripped it up permanently because now EA was giving it away for free. They were like, "Oopsie, whoopsie, we made a mistake. We gotta, we gotta get this game in the pockets of people who are liable to spend forty dollars on one of the expansion packs now because it's not selling well." And I, it, it, that update strategy they had, where they added toddlers and pools and ghosts and and all sorts of cool new interactions and, and customization systems. Uh, released on a month-by-month basis during the first year in a in a schedule and a fashion that's quite similar to what uh, The Witcher Three and Splatoon were doing in 2015, and it's almost like uh... <laughs> this is this is the gamer conspiracy theorist in me, but it's almost like an incredibly misguided and botched version of that single-player content update release strategy that kept those games in the news. Well, single-player, I'm referring to The Witcher 3. It kept those games in the news for a few months after launch. It kept people talking about them. It kept uh, giving them a reason to boot it up after they had already existed the previous content, except they did it in a way that undermined the value of their core product because the features that they were adding was stuff people were expecting to be there in the first place when when they bought the vanilla version on launch and that seems like a very electronic art uh, 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 move to make which is funny because nowadays I'm noticing that in my brain since 2012 13 14 EA doesn't necessarily evoke the like negative gut feeling in my throat of, of remembering studios like Westwood and Bullfrog and because because uh, of these free offers on origin they they gave away the sims 2 for free they gave away the sims 
Well, The Sims 2, I think you can still get for free if you open up a customer support ticket. The Sims 4 was free for this little window. They have uh, pretty great deals on the store. They, they have a subscription pass that's apparently a pretty good value in itself, too. And I'm uh, interested to see if, if, if this works in the long term. <laughs> hmm. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well we'll find out i guess so yeah I, I i don't know if uh you guys picked it up while they were offering it, i did not as the future rolls on as the future rolls on you gotta make us in the sims or somebody has yeah let me let me ask you guys this question actually if i made a creepily detailed version of either of you guys in the sims what would you want me to do with them just see what happens. You can also, like, let them do shit, right? Yeah, yeah. That was actually the rule me and the girlfriend made, was that we couldn't control the other person's sims. Then we had to create that, an environment that nurtured can, their AI. You can control your sim, like the, okay. the weedman. Okay. Uh, but you can't control what mine and Matt do. Okay, so so I have to live with an AI controlled Sims version of you two. I mean, and in what kind of house? What kind of what? What is the the dad house gonna be? <laughs> I mean, I, we've all gotta have separate bedrooms. I mean, Matt, me and Matt, we can probably live in the same bedroom together, but probably, we're a bit yeah. old for that now. Yeah, no bunk beds though. No, no bunk beds. Matt and Liam, same bedroom. We'll come to each other's George's rooms own bedroom to listen to Lincoln Park and stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so wait, music. wait, wait. Music preferences. Oh, hang, hang on. Let me, um, let me, let me, let me start taking some notes here. <laughs> uh, all right. Talking, talking about personalities. How, how, Matt? How do you want your Sims personality to be? Make it the wackiest as possible. Wackiest as possible. Yeah. Okay, let's see. There's hot-headed, goofball, goofball. Uh, creative, goofball. All right, all right. Um. Bookworm, foodie, cook, music lover, perfectionist. That's not goofy. Clumsy is kind of goofy. Dance machine is goofy. Erratic. Wonder what that Erratic does. Sounds nice. Kleptomaniac, lazy, uh, slob, <gasps> vegetarian. <laughs> Can we make Matt a klepto kleptomaniac? Wait, why would we? Why would we make him a kleptomaniac, Liam? Why wouldn't we? Because he's the one who got robbed, not the other way around. <laughs> no, this is his vengeance arc. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you are in control of, of your Sims destiny here that I'm going to make and throw into a game. A wacky goofball that robs people? Okay, let's do it. Kleptomania. <laughs> you get one more personality. Uh, as I go down you the list, we got... Creative. Let's add creative in there. <laughs> creative? Okay, okay. Let's see what happens. Um, this is a creative Liam, kleptomaniac. Uh, what kind of personality do you want your Sim to have? What are my choices again? <laughs> a lot, a lot. Give me a, an adjective, and I'll try to find some that match up with it that are on the list. Uh, disliked. Disliked? Ooh. <laughs> oh, Ooh. no. Uh, okay, let's see. There's gloomy. Um, no, nah, I'm not gloomy. Perfectionist, child, clown, glutton, lazy. Uh, uh, I'm not lazy. Uh, perfectionist probably... Probably, probably would be. Oh my God! You—that's that's a job interview tactic. Yeah. You know, what, what would you say is your greatest weakness? Well, I'm too much of a perfectionist. Non-committal, self-absorbed, loner, mean, jealous, hates children. That's on the list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, a perfectionist okay. who hates children. Hates children. Perfectionist. 
Hates children, you get one more. Uh, reel off some others. Some um, random ass. Art lover, bookworm, foodie, geek, music lover, perfectionist, ambitious, cat lover, childish, clumsy, uh, erratic, glutton, <laughs> kleptomaniac, go, lazy. Let's go for a perfectionist child hater who's childish. Mm -hmm. Childish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be really interesting. Okay. And uh, last but not least, let's um, get a concept for the house and then we'll move on to the news. What kind of house do you think would be an interesting situation to throw us into? Uh, it's going to be like a studio creator space. We already space. got the bedrooms arranged. Studio creator space. Okay. Matt's going to have like his, you know, his like film stuff and his editing bay. <laughs> You're going to have like hmm. whatever the hell it is you do. And I'm just going to sit. Film stuff and editing? I'm just going to sit in the corner with a laptop. <laughs> Um, so Liam has now, no room. I have no room. I'm literally in the corner <laughs> on a laptop. I have no room. What the fuck? You're you're in the corner on a laptop. I okay, need a Matt's got to have sleep. his film stuff editing. Yeah, uh, you you got the carpet. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's right. What if we have like a limited amount of beds between? I don't know. What can we do to make things interesting? <laughs> Spice up. Um. For starters, there is uh, one bed and one desk. Yeah, we're all creators. We all have to share one bed and one desk? Yeah. Okay. One bed, one desk. Periodically, for my own amusement... Final destination. ...children <laughs> appear every four hours. Okay, so I'm gonna who I hmm because uh, then you'd have to have a lot of friends who are kids, and the neighborhoods come with a bunch of kids by default. But Liam hates kids. This is actually gonna be a goal. I'm gonna make a goal. Uh, make friendships with children, and that's a weird goal, by the way. <laughs> but I am down. I'm game. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about turning this into some streaming concepts, and I'm gonna see what I can do with this. <laughs> Good shit, guys. Good shit. Wait, can Matt think of anything that'll spice up our lives? I, I, I think um, I think we spent very long on this bit. <laughs> <laughs> we can we evict Matt already? <laughs> very, very, very long on this bit. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> evict Matt? You evict me out of the house? Was his uh, big brother? Well, that depends on how his his job goes. Liam, what do you want your sim jobs to be? <laughs> what are my choices? I, oh my god, we're we're going. I, we whoa, keep, whoa, <laughs> let me get a list. Keep going on. <laughs> Remember how we wanted to talk about Death Stranding soon? <laughs> That's what the people right. came for. Sims news. The, 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 Liam, you ready? Pick fast. Right. Astronaut, athletic, business, criminal, uh, culinary, um, fame, fashion, entertainment. Uh, painter. Can I be a child's entertainer? Entertainer. Can I, okay. No, can I be a okay. child's entertainer? I don't think that's one of them, but you can be an entertainer, and I have a feeling like all of us are going to be entertainers. <gasps> oh my god, this is going to get wacky. All right. Well, it's one we of Matt's will traits. All be entertainers. Okay. I think I think I got I got all my variables plugged in. Uh, if I. Am able to stream on uh, this upcoming Friday night or Saturday or something. I I'm I'm gonna fucking do it. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. Oh, We're gonna have a sim family, and it's gonna get real awkward. Ooh, 
A Sims family. This this could get interesting. This could get real interesting. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, the stream has already happened, so tune in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um anyways. Um, um, I, I played Greece. What? G- G- Greece, the the game, the country? like uh, like like the movie. G- G- Greece, G- no, uh, Gris. It looks like Gris, but Gr- I think Gris, it's pronounced. Gris, yeah. I, I think it's pronounced Greece. I think. I I remember seeing the the launch reviews for that at Liam's house. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is Greece. Greece, because um, it's Greece. by Spanish uh, Spanish developer, and when you look it up in Spanish, it's Greece. That game has gorgeous animations, but I can tell it doesn't look like my jam. It is great. It is yeah, really good. It's a uh, you. It it is a game, but I I say that with it's a game. the explanation already that you know if it's interactive, it's a game in my opinion. But this one has a lot more than it has like puzzles and stuff. I I didn't think it would, but yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty simple though, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty simple. They some of them do cause you to, I guess, think a little bit. They're not just like, oh, press this button. It's not like that. That you have to think. You do have to think. Uh, it's a smart, simple puzzles, not like, um, you know, like a baby can do it or something like that. Um, so, and there's like little, um, extra stuff you can grab as well, uh, that, that make the puzzles uh, harder to get like an extra ending scene, the little extra collectibles on the side. Um, so this game is about like depression and it's not done in a, I guess, pretentious way. It's... It's done through like the art and because uh, no one talks or anything. It's and the art is amazing. The art is amazing. You're you you go through some power ups and the way they design the character with the power ups is amazing. Like it's it's a solid ass game. And anyone who likes like the artsy, you know, um, indie game that makes you think a little bit. I would say this is really up your alley. Because uh, it's short, too. It's not, you know. Was it long? sell for, like, what, uh, 11 bucks? 11 bucks nice. for a short experience with beautiful art, well-done mechanics. Um, yeah, I would say this is definitely one of my favorites this year. It's really good. Really, really solid good. I wonder now... Um because uh, I feel like it can't be an <laughs> I um just feel like like I I might get a little sleepy is is the thing um, I, I I was talking to this is this is the the game award the dad awards remember the dad awards we yeah we were uh, watching reviews of this just before we recorded the dad awards yeah. yeah and I was like oh this is really up my alley and then I heard it was like some type of walking simulator and I was like oh. But it, but I was like, ah, let me give this a try because I was in a mood for more of a an RPG, and I still haven't found a, a solid RPG <laughs> yet. But um, this this is more than just walking, that's for sure. Hmm. I thought I I literally thought you just pushed forward in this, on a stick, and I was like, oh, I wanted a little bit more than that. 
you definitely have a little bit more. Yeah, because the puzzles could keep me awake and keep me appreciating. Because, God, it was gorgeous. It, it's, it is it's drop-dead gorgeous. Really, really good. Really, in terms of art. Whew. Lord, and the music? It looks it looks hand-animated, Yeah, a lot of these uh, animations. It is all hand-animated, Yeah, I think. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be the way it looks. It looks like something like Cuphead. Look, mm. yeah, it's 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 mm, definitely something to to grab on. Not like a midnight snack, but like a, a whole meal, whole meal, a little bit of cornbread on the side. <laughs> Carbs, veg, and protein. Oh man, it's been so long since I had cornbread. Bring me back memories. <laughs> Some s- they, uh, they, they, you find a lot of uh, as much cornbread in no. California as you did in Georgia. No, 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 no. And I didn't even grow up on cornbread. I grew up well. I, I had, I did have a little bit of cornbread it, when you go further up in the south. But I, I grew up on island food, so cornbread wasn't in the island food. Patty and cocoa bread and bun and cheese and all. Oh man. Uh, red pea soup and aki and sawfish what food? and oh man, all the Jamaicans out there does, like just creaming their pants right now. So <laughs> what what food does Greece remind you the most of? Oh man, uh, savory food. Uh, <laughs> umami, <laughs> not umami. umami. <laughs> um, yeah, um, <laughs> greasy food. <laughs> Greasy, a nice greasy yeah. burger. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, with a, no, with no. a little bit of gristle. <laughs> it's too easy to say grease and rice with greasy burgers. But yeah. I, I think it's time for us to uh, uh, slip and slide out, out, out of here slip and into and the. And grease. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried. I tried, okay. But in the end, <laughs> I, tried, I, tried I, tried, I tried to help you there. I got so far. <laughs> and in the end, <laughs> it didn't even matter. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so we no. we got a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> stuff's stuff's happening. Unlike last week, uh, we got an eight minute trailer on Death Stranding. We find we finally know what it is. Oh my god! Because it's so important that we know exactly what the game is, right, everyone? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, no I, 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 I get it. It's always just been a little, uh, feels a little excessive to me how much people are, or, or how much people were, I guess, thinking that Death Stranding was some abstract, unknowable thing. When from, like, day zero, everyone knew it was a, a cinematic auteur project from Hideo Kojima that would have some light stealth elements across a massive outdoor map, and I'm like... I'm fine going into games with just that basis, but now we have the first trailer of it that I think shows like some energy and some sense of humor and some life to uh, to how it's going to work. There were some moments in the trailer that were funny. There were some moments in the trailer that were interesting, and it's definitely a different tone than the the previous ones that just went all ham with the the slow droney camera work and and uh, dark rumbly noises. This one has. Uh, bright smiling faces and and a little bit of comedy when he's juking out the bad guys positive message you have to all (laughs) come together yeah to uh you know um um, rebuild america (laughs) rebuild america apparently apparently it it takes place and is about america (sighs) so yeah you're the president of jack shit Let's talk about the trailer. Let's not talk about theories just yet. Let's just talk about <laughs> the trailer. Let's not descend into the madness of trying to understand it. I'm more just about the trailer itself. It's it not was about a war. fine trailer. It's not about war. Cheers. Wait, wait. Uh, how, how do you mean, though? Because it goes, it goes to war. It no, literally no. goes to the first world war or the second. No, battle. no, no, no. Am I reading that wrong? No, that's right. You didn't put it down the outline. No. <laughs> no. Wait, no, Matt. You were watching it like yesterday in the Discord. I don't remember war. <laughs> there, there are scenes that take place in what looks an awful lot like a, like a World War One battlefield with trenches and, yeah. and early primitive tanks. And, um, that, that surprised me. Like, like the post-apocalyptic war-torn hellscape, as it turns out in previous trailers, was actually a different time period than the post-apocalyptic yeah, nature-claimed wasteland. I was thinking back to the old trailers, and there is that scene with, uh, it's so weird saying this, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> There's that scene with del Toro where he's running with the, uh, the bridge baby. Now we know what they call the bridge baby. <laughs> the bridge baby. He's running with the bridge baby during a war. And I thought it would be a children of men kind of war, like a future war. Yeah, but no, but it turns it's out, grand. It's great grandpa. Turns out it's something else. Uh, I have a theory about that, but. Uh, but oh yeah. boy, yeah, yeah. He knows Kojima knows a how to make damn good game trailers. B how to poke and prod the, the fan theories and the fan communities by, by getting up his own ass with it. It is the only trailer I have ever watched where it's 8 minutes and 50 seconds long, so it shows you so much and yet tells you so fucking little that it's amazing. How does he do it? I'm like really okay like this is actually more gameplay details than i think i was expecting to reveal because they've been mm. vague about that in the past but um See, I, to be fair though I, george what could you actually tell me about the gameplay though apart, uh, apart from the nitty-gritty but like what is it that you you do in death Stranding? you're gonna be delivering some kind of package across an outdoor environment where you use like mgs5 phantom pain outdoor style stealth tall grass uh fast transportation to outrun enemies with slow animation speeds so you think that's it you think you think that it is literally just down to carrying stuff 
That is what? valuable. I don't across. think it's literally just down. I think that's going to be the core. That's what you're going to yeah. spend the most of your time doing. Because you also see some corridor shooting. You uh, see some some like hide and seek with the ghosts that your baby can sense. Like I've I've got the a bridge pretty baby, solid George, picture. Correct. Bridge baby, pod baby, Norman Reedus is funky fetus. That thing. <laughs> um, I, I after this trailer, I have a pretty solid idea in my head of what most of this game's probably gonna look like. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't watch it. I just I I like the way it was before, where I didn't know anything. Why? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to know that I could get in a vehicle. I didn't want to know that I could shoot guns. Yeah, there's a silly motorcycle in the trailer and everything. Speaking of like them revealing the sense of humor, don't take this away from me, Matt. <laughs> what? Are you not hyped about Die Hard, man? <laughs> listen, listen. I I am reasonably excited to play the game because it's something new and interesting, and it's not going to be like the same old garbage that we always see we literally <laughs> yeah. have to go to indie games yeah. in order to get anything cool these days right <laughs> and and kojima is finally allowed to make something that's not metal gear and yeah. i'm i'm in it for just that like you, really when you think norman is gonna climb a tower to survey the <laughs> area no he's not and just that i'm going to play the hell out of this game and enjoy it i'm gonna enjoy it it's, i will admit like going back a couple of months when we were talking about it on the podcast I had like a sort of fatigue about it because it just dra- it just was just dragging on for ages and showing fucking nothing. <laughs> but yesterday's trailer, I'm all in. I'm all in now. Yeah. I'm all and in. Like, it looks fun, actually. It looks fun. Like, it looks intriguing. Like the the mystery doesn't seem too stupid either. Like it it seems mm, like it has dumb. It, it has seems, and no no like like it seems forget, the right amount of stupid for me. It's red. Yeah, forget yeah, the, yeah. forget the Kojima naming. Because Die Hard Man. Fragile. <laughs> they, they have a word named Fragile. Kojima no. doesn't know what a woman is. <laughs> like, we, we, we get it. Why would you do like, that? But the underlining mystery of, like, the event of the Death Stranding, like, the idea that it's like the, there was the Big Bang, the explosion of the universe, the explosion of life, and then there was the explosion of death. I like that. The fuck? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how the, uh, the the PlayStation page frames it. Yeah. Um, it was like a supernatural event that was kind of like the Big Bang, but it was of death. Mysterious explosions have rocked the globe, setting off a series of supernatural events known as the Death Stranding. <laughs> Did you see Kojima's post about it? Kojima's like, this is not any ordinary multiplayer game. This is a game about strands. I simply call it <laughs> Strand cut Game. the rope. <laughs> oh, re- yeah, remember for a day when the tagline was cut the rope? I wonder if they're going to commit to that, because that's a silly-ass no, tagline. No, it wasn't cut the rope. It was create the rope. Well, don't you cut the rope when you uh, no, uh, no, connect no. with your friends to to uh, bridge the gap no, between society as Sam Porter bridges? You're going to oh, create God, the George, ropes no, between us. <laughs> And then we're going to cut him on the toilet. Anyways. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's uh, really funny to me, though, is that we're laughing about it. We're smiling and we're excited. And that's not the tone that the previous trailers gave off at all. Like, they were not fun. They were super serious. Do you reckon this game is going to have, like, elements of horror to it? It seems like it could be pretty freaky. 
Mm-hmm. Freaky, scary, funny, sweet, sentimental, thought-provoking. These are all oh, emotions that Hideo Kojima aims to achieve in his next Robotor masterpiece. Are you scared of the PTs? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that that Die Hard Man can find a way to cure the BTs so that the United Cities of America can can rebuild itself. And finally be free of the madman that is Cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all of the names, out of all of the names, like Die Hard Man alone, right? But out of Mm -hmm. all of the names, could you name what seems to be the bad guy? Played by one of the finest Danish actors of all time. I call him Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh I I am down for this. It seems like a, a spiritual successor to Metal Gear, and yet at the same time, Metal Gear, but with an unlocked budget and creative uh uh weirdness to it. Like like I I hope this feels like something he's been wanting to make for a long time. But at the same time, I also wonder if he just kind of looked at some trends that were going on around like 2015, 2016 and decided to make a game off that. But, uh, you know, if he was still at Konami, we would not be seeing this. We would be seeing a trailer for either a cheap short Metal Gear spinoff or nothing at all until like 2022 when we'd see a trailer for MGS6. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's weird that... Kojima's had so much money and stuff. I would like to know what the size of his team is because he does not say jack shit about his like company itself, apart from posing photos with famous people all the time. <laughs> uh, but like he must have like a for that kind of game and the time it's taken them. Yeah. Like he must but surprisingly fast, actually. Yeah, like we're six I, months away. I mean, considering I reckon this guy's been fucking prototyping this shit for fucking ten years or so. Oh yeah, you think so? Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because as soon as he got his hands on the Decimer engine from Gorilla, he was like, "Oh look, I have all these assets already made." Well, he wouldn't have gotten a hold of that until being let go from Konami in 2015. Yeah, like you if think anything, that. considering how long MGS5 took, I'm pretty surprised and happy with how smooth this one seems to be going along. I don't think they were lying when they were talking about the development being way smoother and efficient than what he's used to. Like, that speaks to some serious problems. There's no bureaucracy, is there? He doesn't have to get signed off on things. He can just do what the hell he wants. He's also the, like, auteur star here and not the employee who worked his way up. He, uh, he, he is there because they want him to be there, not the other way around. This is... This is well. It's his company. Is it a little? He can do what he wants. Unprecedented to say that that this is. Is this like the first time that that Sony's first party studio has been given this much budget and creative freedom and and collaboration with Hollywood actors to 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 make something really weird and yeah. dreamy, but in the span of like three four years of a dev cycle? Is this? Is this the first time a game developer has had this much power? I would be interested to know how much this game costs to make because to pay people like <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen, Norman Reedus for that much, like, and not just voice acting, but performance acting, flying them out to Japan all the time, filming with them for a fucking game that seems to be full of cutscenes in typical Kojima fashion. Uh, well, they didn't have to make their own engine this time. 
Well, yeah, and that's yeah. what uh, supposedly. But are you surprised? Like, the... th I think this is a really good example, right? Because people, oh my god, there is such there is such crap on the internet about people like, oh, <laughs> the game's made with Unity. Unity is like subpar. We can't make anything with what? Unity. Like, no, it's not. No, exactly, right? But people are like, oh, it's a Unity game. It's like they treat it as like. It's... How did that rumor start? It, no, no, no. The what fuck? I'm saying is, there's so much like negative connotation sometimes towards what engine a game is making. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, game Maker, yeah. for example, people are like, oh, Game Maker's just your shitty 2DS. Oh, oh, you're like speaking in other examples yeah, of yeah, other yeah. games that people shit talk. Yeah, right. like Pillars of Eternity is a Unity game. No one would know because it's really polished and good. Exactly. Well, you could do a lot with Unity now. What, what the hell? No, but this is the thing, right? And it's not the engines. It's the dev studios. Like, if you look at Death Stranding, does yeah. that look anything like Horizon Zero Dawn? No. no. What does it look like? Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was actually my first thought on seeing the movement and the combat. It is the style, and it's the team. It's what you do with the engine, and that game looks miles better. Even though Horizon Zero Dawn looks fucking incredible, like the photorealism of the environments in Death Stranding is mind blowing. It looks like pictures of Finland and Iceland. Ah. It's insane. <laughs> on a console too. My PS4? Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's gonna die. Yeah, it's a very strange time to be looking at the, the graphical uh, benchmark games these days because Red Dead 2 is one of them, and that's also on a console. Yeah. It's really weird that like if you want to stress your PC these days, you, you can't just find a good-looking game. You gotta find a good-looking game, then put it in VR, and I still don't know if it'll... If it would match up to what like uh, an idealized version of, of Red Dead 2 would look like on, on a PC version with the resolution and frame rate unlocked. Like the benchmarks are weirdly enough on on PS4 this year. And that's that's a little weird, too. It's good. Uh, Access yeah. to everybody for everybody. I mean, PC Master Race can do whatever they want. Everyone on PS4, you mean? You guys, <laughs> you guys want to talk theory now? <laughs> uh, okay. So, so I, I heard one theory that I kind of like, and that is that we are technically playing as the baby, and that in the trailer, when he flicks on the baby and it shows the ghosts, he said, you suddenly know where to go, and, and I guess it's assumed that you, as the baby, are feeding this information to a character you're giving instructions to. Mm. And uh, according to, to the gameplay description on PlayStation's website, there's no traditional game over. If you lose your life, you find yourself in, in an upside-down weird realm, searching for a way back to the living. And I wonder if that's when you're, like, fighting your way out of the World War I trenches as, as the memories of, of the dead ghosts that are floating around or something. And um, That would you, explain, that, like, I feel like there's an addendum to that where a anybody can basically just come back alive if you fight your way through what I think is purgatory, essentially, mm -hmm. which is the Death Stranding, the, com the combination. Because it said something about Hades as well, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's yeah. going to be riffing off purgatory and that the flashback memories of, like, not flashback, but the, the reenactments of some of the worst parts of human history, like the hells of which people have died in they're just trapped and uh, the the very deliberately chosen world war one imagery and also the like <laughs> gulf storm iraq war night vision goggle soldier like they speak to uh the military industrial complex which was a big theme in metal gear solid which is 
also why it kind of feels to me like a spiritual successor, but with Also, have you more noticed that characters creative. tend to like put guns to their heads and shoot themselves? Because <laughs> they don't really die. Yeah. They just go to the ghost realm. But I feel like they do it because if you die by being attacked by BTs, <laughs> you, you die for real or you just can't escape. So I feel like you have to try and kill yourself if you're going to be consumed by the BTs. Hmm. So maybe you can strategically kill yourself to cross over I, into a different yeah, realm I mean, with less obstacles. Yeah, I mean, they've used it enough in the obstacles. trailers, right? That it must be something gameplay-wise. That's, that's, that's some heavy PS4 stuff, though. That's, that's <laughs> heavy for the masses, right there. And, uh, and in terms of, of heavy PS4 stuff, we also got this asynchronous multiplayer concept that's kind of like... Um, uh, space strength. exploration alien no man no man's sky before the update where you might see the ghost of another player except they can leave you gear and build you a base and i'm wondering how barren the world's gonna feel without that that's i think my really biggest concern at this point after the trailer i have no concern about how fun the story and concept and basic core gameplay are gonna be but i do wonder if the world's barren by default because they yeah. want players to be filling it and up. they were using a lot of it in the trailer when they were like humans are not meant to be alone <laughs> humans have to work together okay no shit oh and and to unlock the trailer too and get it playing they had to have a hundred uh thousand consecutive twitch viewers that was pretty so, ingenious and and in pt i i believe there was also a certain threshold of of uh, Twitch viewers or something that was needed to to work through the trial and error process and calculate the actual way to get to the end of that demo. So Kojima's big on online cooperation these days. It's pretty cool. Mm. Yes. It'd be interesting if yeah. Death Stranding's like multiplayer does have actually a massive effect on how you play the game in a unique way like that. Play that launch. That's the only mm -hmm. way it's gonna get yeah. the, the experience. Yeah, How so I think um, in, in this case, they, they might get me. I think I am going to get this one <gasps> on launch. Do we have our first ever you George pre-order? Uh, we might, we might. <gasps> you know, we're going to, we're going to. Breaking the rules. That also makes it weird about how reviews are going to work. Because this, this is a problem of today's era, is how, what the hell game reviewers are supposed to do these days. Like, I was just talking about how The Sims 4 had me setting my expectations up to be low when the game's fine because it has been significantly updated since reviews. And uh, this is yet another case, again, of a game that's like meant to have a deliberate multiplayer element in it that reviewers mm -hmm. are not going to get the full experience of until a few weeks after launch. Yeah. So that's that's another way that they, well, they we get don't you know to pre-order. We don't know. We don't know if that's true. We don't know if that's true. They, but it happens, they, though. It does it happen. Yeah. IGN were doing that thing a couple of years ago where they would go back and re-review yeah. yeah, that that should probably continue, especially considering how many games now are live services and free to play online games that change periodically. I wish there was a more streamlined way to do it, an easier way to get get an update, because if you go to Metacritic and look at The Sims 4 score, they are outdated now at this point. That is not representative of the product that a new customer is going to buy. It's more about views. Most people just kind of write it off. Don't go back to the site, you know. And if uh, you use a method like Steam, where they average the current user reviews yeah. instead of the professional reviews, then that's susceptible to review bombing and trolling, and that's not a reliable metric either. 
Uh, you can just but, play the game yourself and find out. Yeah, but, but that's expensive. But, yeah, you need money to eat food. <laughs> you got Redbox, right? Redbox doesn't do everything. And Gamefly. Gamefly. I uh, hope I'm going to get a fresh shipment of VR games from Gamefly soon. Finally, I want to... When is Stadia coming out? I'm going to get some Stadia action, you know what I'm saying? Oh my god. Oh, okay, okay, let's... Time to pull the cane out and move to the next topic. In more weird news, we got a Pokemon sleep game coming out. Uh, the, the Pokemon company had a very dry, very Japanese press conference. <laughs> it was so boring. Oh, uh, so I, I'm, I'm sure Matt didn't watch it, right? Nope. I think Matt, it, I think, did you? I think it, I was watching it like I was like, ooh, four new Pokemon projects like the Switch. That must be cool. And then we got like Detective Pikachu 2, which is like inevitable because the movie and then, like, all, all this build-up, all Pokemon shirts, all shitty Pokemon mobile games, oh, what's the big reveal? Oh. Uh, uh, oh. It was a lot of... Oh. You get to I guess sleep with your Pokemon. The most traditional announcement was that Detective Pikachu is getting a sequel on the Switch. That's going to sell, like, gangbusters after the movie, of course. True. Uh, they're going to be making a, a Switch and phone app called Pokemon Home that... Kind of serves Stop as like a database pokey. for oh. po- pokey, po- poke, Pokemon, pocky, pocket monsters. That's better. Um, the weird one is Pocket Monsters Sleep, as powered by Niantic, who who they're keeping in their stable for good reason. You, don't forget, kids, Pokemon Go made billions of dollars. Yeah, um, and it's and. I, uh, I mean, Liam, do you do you remember the the vibe of that press conference? Do you remember the music they chose? I I all I remember is that Pokemon Sleep was the theme of the show because it was so fucking boring. It could be anybody to sleep. Yeah, and the music that they would like use whenever a new uh, slideshow was rolling in, and they needed a pause to fill the time was just like this really dry. I like that Chinese guy from Natties when they were talking about the worst project of them all, which was Pokemon Quest. And um, he was like, look at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) The quotes for Pokemon Sleep weird me out. Everyone spends a large quote, quote, quote. Everyone spends a large part of their life sleeping and turning that into entertainment is our next challenge at Pokemon. Remember that episode of Futurama where where they beam commercials into people's dreams and everyone's really excited to get to sleep and watch the night's commercials? Do you know what I'm hoping it is? It's like Mm. you put the ball next to you, right? And you go to sleep. And then it's kind of like the Pokemon Go Plus or the Pokemon Go Plus Plus now. Um, mm. It's like the Pokemon which, Go which Plus, where it, it sort of makes <laughs> they a... They dug that out of the closet. It, it sort of makes a little noise, and there's a Pokemon nearby. But it just has, like, the bird Pokemon chirping sound, so it'd be like, you're sleeping tightly, and then it's like... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, we're supposed to be hearing, like... You, you know, the morning mood um, um, music, and then all of a sudden... Pidgey, Pidgey. Zoom back. Another fun quote is uh, that they are looking to, quote, give players something to look forward to wake up every morning. Life. Whoa. Whoa. That's a very Japanese thing, isn't it? 
Considering how many Japanese oh, people don't want to wake up the next morning, I'm not surprised. Yeah, like, yeah. is he talking about depression? Is he talking about people who are on yeah. the verge of suicide? Holy shit, that's dark. He's probably talking about that all is... the developers on that project in Japan who are just like, for fuck's sakes. Oh, no. I haven't slept in five days. How ironic is it that I'm working on Pokemon Sleep? Yeah. How do you test it? Every quote, everyone spends a large part of their life sleeping. Quote, that that's 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 idealistic as fuck. And then quote, give players something to look forward to wake up to every morning. That is dark as fuck. What a weird game. Pokemon Sleep A. That's 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 it's does it does it just trick you guys as a little tacky or is it just me? No, I, I think this is a good game for the furries out there. Oh, now now we pissed off the furries. Thanks. Hey, if I can... Yeah, we, they all know that you love love the furries. You get hugs from them every time we go to a con. You're like, oh. They, they are the most fun to hug. Them. I'll give them that. Yeah, they're nice and soft, and their fur is nice. And Matt, are you trying to tell us something about yourself? <laughs> Do you, uh, do you have a little bit of a, of a coming of age moment when watching Space Jam and? Oh, yo, okay, everyone did watching Space Jam. Okay, that bunny is, was uh, is top tier. There is no coincidence that that furries are as popular and and prolific as they are now, during a time where the kids who grew up on Space Jam are entering into their mid to late twenties. I remember, I remember watching Planet of the Apes and like, like <laughs> that turned you into a furry. No, what? Not a furry. <laughs> I'm okay, putting down more notes for your sim a, here. This is a safe space. I love good old natural smooth skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we are. We're on a roll today. Holy shit. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. So now the furries have something to look forward to waking up to every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, oh man, that's, ooh, that's not so good. I'm, I don't know how I can turn that into a podcast title. It's a really long description, but it's a good one. Anyways, anyways. Um and and our, our our hot button controversial story of the week because we always do those so well is uh, the World Health Organization <laughs> classifying gaming disorder as an actual thing. Um, oh, yeah, boy. yeah. This this made a bunch of gamers mad for like a couple days. Then everyone seems to kind of have uh, no. I don't, I don't see people talking about it on Twitter anymore since then. Cause it's a lot more milder than than the headline makes it sound. Um, the World Health Organization has classified gaming disorder as an official disease. That does not mean, however, that the uh, psychiatrists and, and psychologists and pediatrics of your respective country of of choice of of luck that you happen to be born in, in most cases, will uh, be be recognizing it themselves um and they the the official professional responses to a lot of this news do recognize how it crosses over with people um who have adhd or on the autism spectrum and the official definition itself is pretty vague and open-ended and cuts straight to the chase 
which is that this gaming disorder is a pattern of gaming behavior characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests in daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. And they also want that to be happening for a year or longer for, for it to be classified as an official disease. And uh, ultimately, I, I see this as as a response to people fucking dying in South Korea from playing yeah. StarCraft wow. too long in the internet cafes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but my moral compass works in a way where once a person dies about something, it, it should be a serious problem that's officially recognized. And what this ultimately, I think, will do is give people who do have depression who do have ADHD or autism a springboard to more or less be able to notice if it is gaming that is causing those problems in their psyche to manifest themselves into negative consequences which is exactly what the definition is talking about they're not specifying how many hours you spend playing games they're not specifying how passionate or deeply involved you're playing games nor are they like putting an age limit on gaming or anything they're just straight up saying if you keep gaming, despite it being related to negative consequences in your life, maybe look into this. Yeah, I mean, that sounds reasonable if it's not used broadly. This uh, also happens to be popping up during a, a time where loot boxes and gambling mechanics are uh, hosting a, a fresh sequence of controversy as countries the major one being China are starting to regulate it out of uh, the game industry's game designs, which I doubt is something the game industry, <laughs> of course, that's not something the game industry wants themselves. They can, they, they'll probably be better off self-regulating, but in case of, um, in order for that to happen, there, there needs to be pushes coming to shoves and, uh, like, like during the creation of the ESRB, there were congressional hearings in America. If there are going to be, warning labels on games with gambling mechanics and loot boxes on them now that's probably gonna have to be a response to something like this going on uh making it an an official cause for concern <sighs> yeah I, I i don't know how serious to take it because i mean like everyone had those you know those uh i guess sessions where you were just either depressed with something or whatever and you just played games like all week you barely you barely add you know just play games sounds like we need to take somebody to the hospital right well i mean that was years ago but yeah <laughs> like like that i mean plenty of people do that i would say plenty of people oh do yeah that. no you're, you're an mmo gamer <laughs> yeah you've probably heard heard stories so i just wonder how serious this could be and I, it does this open the door for other things in the future? Yeah, the uh, I, I guess the 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 criticism for it kind of falls into a slippery slope category where this yeah. could create other more restrictive um, regulations that do negatively impact the the development and design of genres that people typically enjoy. However, you're not probably going to find a lot of people typically enjoying gambling addictions yeah well, that, and that depression needs to go. loot boxes need to go right am i am i minority in that no i, I doubt you're a minority i just don't expect them to go ever well they've gone away yeah. in belgium so that's a start i i believe yeah. that they'll be there in some form in some way maybe not the way they are today but it's like 
I can't imagine cigarettes going away either, you know? Nintendo have had to stop Pocket Camp and Fire Emblem Heroes in Belgium because mm -hmm. of the new law. Yeah. So, so it's something's happening. I just can't. I, I, I feel like the role of a lot of um, American corporation businesses is to basically operate through as many loopholes and as close to the law as possible. Like hearing what, what the QA testers were telling me about how they um, are able to work more than full-time hours despite not being full-time because they're contractors, that's how they get away with that. The reason why a lot of contractors aren't allowed to talk to full-time employees is because they're supposed to be separate employment facilities. They're not really in practice, but in theory and on the paperwork they are, so they're legal because of that. Whatever regulations happen, I don't doubt that a major publisher will find a way to more or less get away with it, but in a form that is slightly less illegal than whatever becomes classified as illegal in the first place, if it even does. Because we all know that America is way, way, way more permissive towards big business and bad business than other nations are. And uh, we, we have that whole stupid ideology of, of uh, libertarian marketplaces solving social problems when the, the historical reality is that big businesses kind of bully their way into creating social problems. C cigarettes being a big example. <laughs> Cigarettes are less popular, they're heavily regulated, they're um, steadily having their audience trickle down as the generations go on, but they're still here, and I'm sure they'll still be there when I'm dead. And that is basically big business being allowed to sell people addictive poison. Yeah. Well, if you keep on gaming, George, you might, you might, you might be dead soon. It'll happen to us all eventually. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We started dying as soon as we came out of our mother's womb. <laughs> well, you were having an existential crisis and suddenly having to make sure that you plan your life really well before your expected expiration date. <gasps> you might want to spend some of that precious time here on planet Earth with the astronomically lucky coincidence that is the privilege of being able to exist in waking consciousness. Uh, 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 why not spend some of that time sending us questions to <laughs> dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll be back next, uh, week, next week with our Twitter nonsense. So Rapid response. Rapid letters to the dataters. The datasphere. Social media. How can we turn social... Social media? <laughs> so our, our, our social media rapid response section will be returning next week. Until then... Just like logging into the dad network. We had a lot of time to talk about news stories before getting, getting to uh, some three questions I picked out from the inbox. First up is from Fred S. He asks, Hey, Dad and Ampersons, uh, a few podcasts ago, you mentioned developers looking at gory reference materials for the newest Mortal Kombat, as in actual real-life depictions, which were mentally taxing, to say the least. But what about stylized realism instead of stylizing realism? I'm a big fan of over-the-top hyperviolence and campy, trashy movies. Fountains of piercing red blood, comically propped, uh, uh, ridiculous gib effects. Would it make more sense to resort to that kind of graphic depiction, and why not even stop there? Why, why go for photorealistic skins of actors when you can have sweaty, overexposed, overly makeuped faces instead? Uh, fun fact, <laughs> Left 4 Dead 2's behind the scenes mentions that the zombie's appearance is molded after rotten potato skins. Uh, I'm not really sure what the actual question is because you gave a reference. <laughs> I, I, I have a question. 
What are your favorite uh, uh, styles of, of video game violence? What, what do you think looks comical or, or fun or visceral or memorable in general? Gears of War. Gears of War. It will always be Gears of War. So, fun story. I heard a, a panel by Mike Kepps, who was Epic president at the time. He said they experimented with using red blood in Gears of War, but the team didn't like it. They said it looked too real, and that's why it has black blood. Mm. See? There you go. I mean, it's still visceral, still pretty fucking gory. What happens is, is as soon as you kill an enemy, the model changes into this, like, grinded-up body. <laughs> And it ragdolls, and then you can like mess with the body too, and you could shoot it more, and it breaks apart. It's ridiculous, absolutely. But it ridiculous. is like typical video game chunks, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's interactable. Yeah, uh, you can. You, yeah, and I, you can teabag it and stuff. I want to say that my most memorable video game gore moments, I think, come from Fallout New Vegas. Specifically because you can loot the entire enemy's body just from the little itty-bitty chunks that show up on the ground. <laughs> yeah, there'll, oh, there'll be like yeah. a finger left and you'll be like, ooh, mm-hmm. a bottle. <laughs> yeah, it still counts as the same container. So so that, that created a lot of hilarious moments and comedy that was not not disturbing or horrifying in the least and really just, just was, was slapstick. It was slapstick more than... More, more than there for the horror. Mine is uh, super stylized, but incredibly violent. Not too gory, though, unless you consider pulling out spines to be go- gory. Oh, my. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Rising Revenge. Oh, yeah. You can literally chop men in into bits. In Japan, mm. I think they made the uh, blood white because uh, they wanted to, to clarify that these were cyborgs you're chopping up and not people. Because you're not allowed to chop people up in Japanese games. Yeah, you most definitely are chopping up people, though. And then ripping, <laughs> yeah. and then ripping their spines and devouring it. For, for the sweet Gatorade juice. But no, it's fine, because so long as their head exists, they can just put the head on a new body and, and they don't die. <laughs> Remember when the bosses would always like give you a speech and then just go into sleep mode before they kind of show up a bit later <laughs> after... after after you have your crazy Zandatsu slashathon over them, <laughs> make America great again. As far as movies, RoboCop always comes to mind. Oh yeah! Oh man, the shotgun blast in that. Oh Jesus! Oh. It's so. <laughs> oh yeah, that that also reminds me of the um ragged the euphoria in Grand Theft Auto Four. If you had an automatic gun and you you sprayed someone, they just kind of did that dance that they do in John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> where, where everyone just waves their arms oh. in the air and jiggles their body and then it's, it's, it's comical uh, next question is from Jack L he asks hi dad and sons this is going to be a tricky one what's your favorite game genres that no longer really exist as examples Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and Time Splitters which is a tricky one because there was a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game released in 2014, I think, that yeah, I've been got playing incredibly Descenders. bad reviews. Descenders is kind of like that. So there are spiritual successors to stuff that's not around anymore, but... Arcade but, sports um, games. The score count no longer seems to matter, yeah. Like, no, like, I'm thinking more like Mario Superstar Soccer All-Star Smash Soccer thing. Yo, remember NBA Street 
Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Hell yeah. FIFA Street, that was good too. Yeah, I, I would definitely say, um, oh man, what's the football? And the NFL Blitz. Oh yeah, Blitz. NFL Blitz. <gasps> Oh, you could like was which is my one of my favorite games of like all time. Like it's just it's was that the one that had like the game. X-ray tackles before Mortal Kombat? No, no, no. I I played the N sixty four one. Oh, it was just the original. What was the Amer- yeah? Do you guys know what that American football game was that had like? I'm pretty sure it was Street or a a like a second or third version of Blitz. It was like you could tackle them, and if you injured them, it would show you like an X-ray. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one of them. Yeah, that's the yeah. only two that existed. Blitz, yeah. I think, was doing that before Mortal Kombat was doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it, it just it wasn't on N64. It was like on one of the PlayStation oh. or, or Xboxes. Yeah, it was so the Blitz graphics League. were better, and Blitz they started too. Yeah. I want to suggest, and there's spiritual successors of this stuff out nowadays, but nothing really scratches the same itch, and that is whatever the hell. Rainbow Six and SWAT 4 were like really mm. strategic tactical single player shooters. Rainbow Six Siege plays like that in a multiplayer environment, but it's been a long while since there's been a good single player one of those. Uh I I um I do want to pick uh, also like games like Burnout and Need for Speed um Underground. Oh, like those like arcade yeah, street yeah. racing. Need, Need for Speed yeah. Underground was fantastic. Yeah, music was good. Mm. Everything like and burnout, being able to crash into like that, and that was like a thing. Score you for it. Burnout was like a weird uh, hybrid between Tony Hawk and and racing games. Yeah, (laughs) except the tricks were your crashes. It was was hilarious. It was nuts. And being able to build up your car and street race. And back then, when you know, when I thought street racing was easy, and all you had to do was ram into people and make sure that like I, I don't know i don't know how they would make it interesting now uh with the rubber band effect and everything like that and that, like knowing how they designed the game i don't know they they probably have to make interesting levels or something but uh i don't know if it'll work to be honest i don't know if it'll work i don't know if i would want to play it but i, I definitely remember the nostalgia of it just love that game loved it and Midnight Club came out too. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Midnight Club Three had the Atlanta Atlanta level. I I, I, sw- I became swole with pride over that one. Mm. Mm. Uh, last question for the week is from Miguel O, and he actually has a list of questions for us in particular. For George, what is your favorite dish to cook? I have a ton of fun making cream brulee. Uh, stir up some custard. Uh, uh, Chill it in the fridge, boil it in the oven, uh, get the blowtorch out, make a nice little delicious crust, tap it with a spoon. You don't eat creme brulee like other dishes, nor do you make it like other dishes. Creme brulee is just fun. For Liam, how essential is Japanese language proficiency for someone teaching an English language class to the Japanese students? Oh, none at all. I'm wondering about how that works. Can you clarify? It's, uh, it's more to do with you living here, it being a problem. Uh, teaching in schools, well, I might have changed since I did it, um, but you are not allowed to talk uh, in Japanese to students. Holy shit! So that's how they get away with it. Yeah, because I... it's an English. <laughs> it's, it's English immersion. It's not meant to be. Uh, 
Huh. I've uh, always raised my eyebrow at job descriptions and testimonies from people who have done it who say that you don't have to know Japanese to get a job in Japan teaching English to Japanese students. You don't. Wow. That's that's crazy, wow. but makes sense now that it's, you it's mention it. It's more about you living here. Mm-hmm. Like, your life will just not be that great <laughs> if you don't. Uh, for Matt. Matt, you ready? Yeah, yeah. This is Are the movie theaters in California any better or worse than the movie theaters in Georgia? Alright, so this... There are not many movie theaters in Georgia. But I did go to one in Fayetteville um, that had the best seats ever. There, It was cheap. Super cheap. And um, barely people in the theater, like uh, barely seats in the theater, so there weren't many people. And most most of the people in Fayetteville were like respectful, you know. So like the general laugh and oh, but no, no one's talking, no one's bringing their babies. I'm sorry if you bring your babies to the movie theater, but that is a disrespect. That should be against the rules. <laughs> it should be against. People the rules. should be able to call the police for that. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. I had a baby next to me. Hey, I uh, thought I was the child hater. <laughs> that's just I'm your sorry, sim man. You're, you're disrespecting the whole theater with that um, that one was probably my my favorite movie experience I haven't found that here in California but I have found good movie theaters like the one in Orange is nice I like the Adobe uh, the Adobe um, sound ones they're expensive though it's like $20 a ticket how oh, can Jesus you tell Christ where you need to go to get the Dolby sound versus the, the regular sound. It, it says it in the theater. They, they have different versions. You have like the regular one, which has a lot more seats, so a lot more people uh, go to that one. If you pay a lot for a ticket, you usually have less seats, so less people in the theater, less um, chance to have someone who does not care about anyone else in the theater, not respectful. Uh, to someone else's experience. Yeah, yeah. So usually people who pay more for a ticket, you generally don't get that experience. <laughs> so usually I pay more for a ticket. I rather enjoy, you know, um, um, you know, uh, freaking Endgame with people who want to enjoy Endgame and <laughs> not just, you know, on their phone or something. And... But yeah. Last but not least, bonus question. Which do you tend to enjoy more, Western RPGs or JRPGs? I played more J than I played Wes. Um, but I think I think I do enjoy Western more now. Uh, yeah, like you, we're talking about like we're talking about like Bioware stuff, right? Like the, that's Western. Yeah, the the Bethesda open worlds and the Bioware yeah. love romancers. Yeah, I played a lot of J when I was young, a lot, uh, and the it was always, I guess, like the combat and the the story that was a little wonky. And as I got older, I tend to see it as <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to play this anymore. Um, uh, even though it's, you know some some stuff like like Final Final Fantasy VII was was fine. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Final Fantasy VII. Um, and uh, I probably should replay nine. You know, those are the games that really got me into um, RPGs in general. But I think I do enjoy Western more now. Like the indie games that I've played, um, 
Like, I don't know if I'll play another Tales game. I don't know if I could sit through that. I don't know if the story would grab me. Because definitely it might feel like to... something you played before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might repeat. So I, uh, I think I think Western. Uh, uh, Liam, how about you? Um, I would say traditionally I've always enjoyed JRPGs more. Uh, you know, aesthetically and sort of growing up playing JRPGs. But in most recent history, I would say Western RPGs. As Matt said, the Bioware RPGs. I've always enjoyed yeah, it. a lot. But The Witcher 3 yeah. just yeah. stands out. I mean, Sekiro, if, if that's an RPG, or Dark Souls, I guess, <laughs> is like a pseudo-J West RPG. It could be called yeah. an action RPG. I don't know yeah. if Sekiro has enough builds to, to have you picking a role out of yeah. a list, though. Dark Souls definitely does, though. Um, I can't remember the last RPG. But Dark Souls is J. Yeah. Is it, no. is it though? Like, it's made in Japan, but the genesis of it being a JRPG eh. on that, it's definitely yeah, more if, Western. If it's made in Japan, I'll consider it a J whatever. Did you say yeah. Western RPGs, but that means like America, UK, Australia, Poland, like all different. Uh, the, just, the Western Roman yeah. colonies. I, yeah. It's funny you I say have... this, you bring this up, because I've actually been looking for a. Western RPG to play recently because I've been on. Me too. Me I've been on quite a big fantasy kick thanks to the end of Game of Thrones and reading a lot of fantasy recently. So. And there's nothing, man. Really? No Did, indie I, game. I've been looking up through a lot of indie games. I can't find one that I haven't played. Like I wanted to, I wanted to play Elder Scrolls Online, Matt, because I thought that might do it. But it seems if you're saying there's nothing out there, then that probably didn't do the kick for you. How, what, how Elder Scrolls? Oh no, I still what? play that game. I want to say I just don't talk about it because it's an MMO. I'm waving my arms in the air and declaring that I am a Western RPG man. I'm a Western RPG fan, and uh, I had a lot of fun playing Pillars of Eternity two a year ago. Maybe I, I you guys can't, might. I can't. Play. Okay, I can't okay, do it. Okay, I okay. I dabbled in it. Do you remember? I but, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, the combat is just so shit. I love the feeling of of a game world being open ended and sandboxy, and you having mechanics that do require you to play a specific role, and 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 just getting your ass handed to you if you're trying to use abilities that are outside your character's scope. I love coming into a town that has multiple entrances, but I have one objective in my mind, even though there are all these distractions in the way. It speaks to me. I feel I feel like I am I am having some part of my psyche being represented by the fantasy on display here. And that's not what you get with JRPGs. And I feel like I like like it's a little uh kitschy to 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 bring this up now, but this is one of like the the most obvious and easy ways to notice how culture can influence a product's development. JRPGs are more linear. They are more character-driven. They're not as much about, um, um, uh, yeah, idealizing the Western ideal of individual liberty versus the the Japanese social norm of social harmony. Yeah. There is definitely a huge difference between them, and obviously they've diverged in the paths of which... Each genre is taken, and we have had special ones. 
appear out of both now and again, but yeah. Yep. They're very different. And and I love like tucking myself in for a good comfy JRPG, which uh, is really fun about playing stuff like Octopath on the Switch. You can tuck yourself in bed and it's almost like reading a, a visual novel. But yeah, there is so much clicking through dialogue involved. And if I'm not in the right mood or the right environment, that will put me to sleep. However, there's not a lot that I really notice I have to prepare for to enjoy a Western RPG. I just need a, a few good hours of time on my hand and I'll I'll probably be able to dig into it no matter... No matter... Yeah. Uh, if, if if the quality's bad, I'll still have fun picking it apart. I won't go to sleep doing it, and I I have been put to sleep by some JRPGs in the past. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still need to do Persona. People have been telling me about Persona. Yep. Today. I just yeah. Still do that. Me I too. Voice acting does it. It's I'm also that they're also like eighty to a hundred hours long, which feels stupid to say because so are Definitely good big long that. Western RPGs too. Also, yeah. I wouldn't. I I want to avoid that now. The personas? No, just like freaking one hundred hour RPGs. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's a, that's an investment. <laughs> yeah, it took me three days to beat Greece. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that game is like five hours. <laughs> I played 11 hours of Descenders, according to my Steam account, and I'm like, whoo, I feel like I've been playing that all year. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and uh, to break the fourth wall here, you, our listener, just spent two hours listening to the Dad and Sons podcast. What a waste of time. No, don't, don't, don't make them realize that. <laughs> you think if they got this far, they realize that. <laughs> they need telling. Go do something more important. No, they're probably doing something more important. Podcasts are meant to be in the background while you're driving. A long commute or operating know, heavy machinery cleaning the bathroom <laughs> changing baby diapers oh changing baby diapers that's 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 a good one are you changing Maybe your you son up. or daughter's diaper right now get in touch get in touch although don't touch your phone right now while you're doing it no that would be you might weird want hand sanitizer right next to the thing baby wipes use baby wipes if you don't have that and what you don't realize listener is that this is a strand. Oh, and God. we're about to cut it. Create it. <laughs> Tomorrow is in your hands. <laughs> is it though? We're all dying. All right, we're good. We're good. <laughs> uh, it, it will end at some point there.